thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal. My soul test this morning. Lord, my soul thirsts to know you this morning. I declare, Father, my soul thirsts for you, Lord, this morning, to know you better and better, to know you as the only wise God, to know you as the covenant-keeping God. My soul thirsts to know you this morning. Father, be glorified forevermore. In the precious name of Jesus, Father, we come into your presence this morning with thanksgiving. Yes, Lord, we come to say thank you. Thank you this morning for the breath in our nostrils. Thank you, Lord God, for the gift of life. Thank you, Lord God, for every single gift in our lives. Lord, for the gifts, Lord, that are not tangible yet they are supernatural and they are great for the gift of the holy spirit lord we say thank you for the gift of our relationship with you lord we say thank you for the gift of jesus we say thank you thank you for the blood shed on the cross of calvary thank you lord god because by jesus's blood we enter into your presence this morning and we can cry, Abba, Father, be glorified for every single gift in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we worship you because you are a God that keeps covenant, Lord. You keep your word. You never break them. So be glorified in Jesus' mighty name. As we read the word again this morning, Father, we ask, Lord, grant us wisdom once again. Help us learn in your presence and cause your name to be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining in to devotion this morning. I am Morphy Eyenike. We continue reading the book of Revelation once again. A big thank you to everyone joining in this morning. I hope you are excited as I am to learn about the truths in the book of Revelation. I pray this morning that God will grant each one of us the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge and understanding that as we read, we will comprehend. Yes, we will understand the words of these prophecies in the mighty name of Jesus. All right, so yesterday we finished part one. Part one is simply chapter one. Remember I said the book of Revelation is divided into seven parts. So part one is chapter one. Part two is chapters two and three. So we start part two today. Um, one more thing I want to add. I want to add about the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation was written about 95 A.D., making it the last book of the bible that was reading written okay so yes it is really the book of revelation It's the last book it's not just the last book as in the last book in our bible it was also the last book that was written among the ones we have here so very important that we we read this 
um, or we note this. Secondly, right from Nero's period, just a little background before we start reading, because we then understand, you know, what was going on with the churches. Right from um, um, from Nero's period, remember, Paul was was arguing or demanded that he was going to he was going to appear before Caesar. Caesar wasn't a problem. After Caesar, uh, there was this emperor called Nero. Okay, so you have Nero, Vespasian, you have Titus, and then you have Domitian. Domitian is the emperor that is uh, that is around during the period of the book of Revelation, during just period. That tells you the number of years that has passed from when Paul demanded to stand before Caesar. But right from Nero's period, uh, the persecution of the church started. It was, it was brutal. It was bad. Yes, Christians were being killed everywhere. Okay, uh, during the period when First John was written, for example, that was when Nero was in Nero was in charge. All the persecution that Peter, for example, First Peter was talking about, was during the period when Nero was in charge. And right from Nero's period, uh, one of the ways that Christians were 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 trapped or were were found out. I told you, for example, that that Second John was when john was writing to the chosen lady and her children i said look that letter was um was more coded was written in a coded way so that if anyone picked up the letter they would not be able to say who was writing and and who was it was sent to no it was intention that was intentionally intentionally done okay it because it was because of the persecution persecution that was going on and okay so that formed a lot of things because uh, one of the ways that they were able to find christian out was this thing called idolatry so emperor worship started emperor worship meant that look every time you are coming into a city for example the city of ephesus was the biggest of the cosmopolitan city okay during the roman empire okay so you always had the statues of, 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 of the emperors right just by the entrance as you come into the city. And so you were supposed to pick up incense, okay, and of course worship the emperor. <laughs> Christians could not do that, okay? And of course that was an easy way, an easy way of finding them out. I'm telling you, uh, it was bad. It was bad. So right from Nero's period, and then Vespasian's period was very young, was very short, Titus, and now you had this guy called Domitian. It was the one who exiled John to the island of Pasmos. Okay, so so we have this background knowledge. Now let's read chapter uh, chapter two. So today, for today, we will focus on just two of the. Is written is writing to seven churches. We will focus on two of them. Will learn the lessons going on um, with them, lessons from their lives, their strength, their weaknesses, and then apply the lessons to ourselves. Okay, and I think that that's the most important thing we can take. We can take from here. Remember, I said there are different styles to interpretation. 
the contemporary or preterist style of interpretation, for example, says that this is speaking only about Ephesus and Smyrna, which is fine. That really the dispensational, okay, uh, this dispensationist will say, I agree with you, but this also applies. It also applies to you know to um, to future to order. You could apply it to our period. In other words, you could say uh, the dispensation is says that look, this is talking about the different ages of the church. While I agree, while we agree that this is written specifically to Ephesus based on what the church in Ephesus was going through, but it was also showing is the first church is showing the church in their time what they were going through okay very important so no contradiction here we are only just seeing the elephant from different perspective so we read just two okay just two of the churches you have ephesus and the church in smena so that means we read from verse 1 to 11 it says write this letter write the message to to the church in ephesus write this letter to the angel of the church in ephesus this is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands so jesus every time he is writing to the church okay um introduces himself so here he is telling them is the one who is holding the seven stars remember we said the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches okay so are uh, the pastors of the seven churches and he says look is the one who walks among so he's not just in their center okay in the midst of them is the one who walks among the seven good lampstand okay so this church also is in ephesus and like i said earlier Ephesus was like the biggest city. I'm sure you didn't forget Ephesus. Ephesians chapter, uh, Acts chapter 19 and 20, you know, Paul goes through a very, a very terrible period at Ephesus where he was, um, you know, he was attacked because the selling of of, of the idols of Diana or Artemis, okay, if the Roman people call her Artemis, you know, um, was was going out of fashion people were no longer buying it and so they started this massive riot in, so if you get to ephesus okay so these things have been researched you can check them you know you can check check them out on youtube you know there is this massive you know statue of of diana of artemis okay um that they worship in ephesus so now it will help you understand what jesus is saying to the church it applies to this church it also, I think, applied to the first church that Jesus starts when he, when he left here. He says, I know all the things you do. I know all the things you do, which is very, very strong. Jesus knows everything that goes on in every church. Why? Because his eyes sees everything. He is omnipresent. Okay? His eyes, he knows everything. And because you know God knows everything, Jesus knows everything, there is no need hiding anything from, from this God. There is no need staying away from this God. Jesus says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. 
I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claim of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So I love, so one of the things you will learn from Jesus here is how to correct people. So the first thing I pick from here is that Jesus acknowledges their strength. Yes, he acknowledges their strength. He tells them, look, you guys have seen your hard work. I've seen your hard work. He says, I know all, all the things you do. Okay. So I, when he says that for some people, it will mean that they are about to point out to you all the evil things that you do. Right. If I, they tell you, I know the things you are doing. No? <laughs> they are about to point out to you all the things, all the evil things they are doing. But no, not with Jesus. Jesus says, I know all the things you do. And the first thing he says to them, I have seen your hard work. Wow. I have seen your hard work. He says, look, he says, and your patient endurance. You know what that means? You know, they have patiently endured. They have patiently endured because, look, so at Ephesus, not only the fact that Ephesus was the biggest cosmopolitan city, the guards, okay, of all the profession was resident at Ephesus. So all these things you call the guard of edit editors, of engineers, you know, that you have presently today. It started right from the Roman, the Roman period. So the guards themselves were there. And they used it also to persecute and trap Christians. Because for each of these guards, they then instituted, you know, emperor worship into them. For you to join a guard, for example, you must be willing to worship, you know, to to, to become an idol worshiper. And of course, Christians refuse to stand for that. And persecution, you couldn't do business. You, if for if you, the guard of editors or of, let's say, of, of printers, for example, you couldn't, you know, print, if you were a printer, you couldn't join their guard unless you are an, an idol worshiper. So look, they had patiently endured. And Jesus recognized that. He says, I know you don't tolerate evil people. You know so wonderful right he says you have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not you have discovered they are liars in other words they were they were mature okay they were mature they they know how to test fault false teachers and find them out okay they have bravely bravely endured endured persecution from everything that they were going through Jesus said, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. That's some positive. In fact, I remember the first time we took this, I said, if I was the one, I would have marked this church as, there's no need to, Jesus, please don't condemn them. But Jesus says, verse 4, but I have this complaint against you. Hmm? I have this complaint against you. So I think it was only one, one, one church, one church, the faithful church, uh, that's the church in Philadelphia that Jesus did not really have any strong words for. It says, it says to them, verse 4, I have this complaint against you. So, one of the things scholars have been able to do is tell us about each of the churches, what they were doing. So, the first church is what we call the loveless church or the backsliding church. That's the church in Ephesus. They were the one to receive 
the first love, okay? They were the one to receive Christ. But because of everything that happened and their work and their labor, they left. They left the love. They lost the love, the spark that Jesus handed over to them as they give it to the next generation. Jesus says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You don't love me or love each other as you did at first. So uh, the only interpretation I, will, I can give to this is while they are going through this struggle and strife, you know, they had allowed themselves become so enmeshed in it that they now did not even recognize God anymore or recognize one another or love one another or love God anymore. And that has to be some strong lessons and instructions for us. Five says, look how far you are falling. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. In other words, they were doing the right things at first, but now they they had missed it. He says, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Jesus can remove your lampstand. Eh? If he cannot, then he will not have threatened them with, with that. Jesus can remove your lampstand. So please don't fall again. I I say it every time we have been reading through the Bible. Don't fall for those who say that, look, oh, it's still the teaching of Gnosticism. We can live our lives however we like. It doesn't matter. No, please don't fall for that. Jesus says, look, if you don't repent, your biggest mistake here is that you have lost your first love. Your love for me, your love for others. He says that, look, how far you have fallen. Turn back. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand. Turning back just means repent. I will remove your lampstand from the place among the churches. He says, but this is in your favor. Okay? So he still has some very good words to say about this church in Ephesus. He says, you ate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. So, okay, so who were the Nicolaitans? I think when we get to, to the third church, which is the church, the, the church church is a church in Pagamos, we see a little things about the Nicolaitans. Okay, so we'll do that tomorrow. But if you read verse 14 and 15, it says, Revelations chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. But I have a few complaints about you. You tolerate some, some among you who, whose first teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sins. In a similar way, in a similar way as verse 14, you have some, you, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching, okay? So, the Nicolaitans, okay, um, researchers say that the Nicolaitans came from, from uh, Nicholas. Remember that Nicholas was one of the seven deacons, one of the seven deacons, okay, that was chosen in Acts, in Acts chapter, was it Acts chapter 6, you know, that they were chosen. And the only thing that was said about Nicholas was that he was a young convert, okay? That was the one thing that was declared about him. He was a young convert, okay? So, scholars say that Nicholas 
would eventually backslide because of the persecution of the time. Um, and then one of the things he fell into was Gnosticism. The heresies he fell into was Gnosticism. And so Nicholas gave up on his wife and then invited anyone who wanted to, you know, to, to um, marry her, to have fun with her, to do. And so that became a practice. Okay, so it's relating that from what we read in verse 14 and 15 to what Balaam did to the children of Israel, how he got them to backslide. So that was the same thing that Nicholas also did to the early church. Okay, so because that was happening, then people, you know, could go into a place and then uh, people just gather and then they have sexual orgies. Okay, and people just pick anybody can pick anybody's wife or daughter. And then they have sexual urges. That was what the Nicolaitans were doing. But it says about the Ephesian church, it says, look, no. It says they hated. They hated. It said, but this is in your favor. You ate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Since anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Okay? So, lessons. What lessons can we take from the Ephesian church? Um, From the praise that Jesus has said to them, they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. In other words, they resisted temptation to take part in Gnosticism. They had learned to to tell false teachers from each other. They worked hard, you know, fighting the, the different guides, you know, of their profession, they have they have actually toyed for God, but they allowed their work for God to affect their work with God. Their work, W O R K, to affect their work, W A L K, with God. So this is the lesson I think we can take from this church. Never allow your work for God affect your work with him never allow anything to be able to steal your first love for jesus okay never allow the situations of your life the situation of your marriage the situation on that job to to push you to the point where you have fallen you are fallen from grace with Jesus. Very, 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 very important. Okay, so big lessons for us to take from this church. However, you will agree with me that they were do they did well. They did well. Still, Jesus tells them, repent. Okay, so it's fine that we are doing well, uh, but also it's important that we do what we need to do. Repentance is simply just changing, changing your ways. Okay, and it's fine if we have to repent and change and as we do so the lord will bless us in the mighty name of jesus hallelujah all right so let's move on to the next church the church in smyrna the church in smyrna smyrna was a thriving port city of the roman empire you know and notice again the way what jesus says about them let's just read and then we get back you know to what jesus says about them a message the message to to the church in Smyrna. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. 
this is the message from the one who is the first and the last who was dead but is now alive again i said pay attention to the way jesus introduces himself to his church he says i am the first and the last who was dead but is now alive jesus tells them i know about your suffering and your poverty so these particular believers were not only suffering they have had to give up on their riches yes like i said emperor worship literally meant that you could not walk you could not walk jesus said look i know your suffering and your poverty ah, okay but you are rich jesus says but but you are rich i know the blasphemy of those opposing you jesus says even though others are looking at you physically that you are poor your suffering and your poverty jesus says that but you are rich i know the blasphemy of those opposing you they say they are jews but they are not because their synagogue belongs to satan so we call these people these jews we call them those of the synagogue the synagogue of satan he says uh, they endured slander from these people these jews that were you know during paul's time they did everything you know to turn the the word against against christians in fact they were the one who eventually you know set fire to rome during the time of nero you know and i'm telling you nero thought it was christians that did it and uh, this thing is uh, uh, in history you could read up on them and the persecution was brutal he says look they they say they are jews but they are not because their synagogue belongs to satan he says don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer the devil will throw some of you into prison to test you you will suffer for 10 days but if you remain faithful even when facing death i will give you the crown of life so the reward for this church was going to be the crown of life what jesus was asking for them was that they should endure they were going to be killed simple he tells them that look your suffering has a life lifespan remember the reward for the church in ephesus he says i will give the fruit from the tree of life okay that's the tree from the root. but in for this church in 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 smena it tells them that i will give you the crown of life and that's that's amazing this crown is for those who hold on to jesus and literally they give their lives for jesus jesus tells them look there is a time span right <laughs> it says them 10 days in other words this your suffering will not be forever however if you are able to hold on to me you are able to hold on and not give up on me jesus says but if you remain faithful even when when facing death in other words some of them will die okay however they prayed however they called on god some of them will die jesus says look if you are willing to do that i will give you the crown of life since anyone with ears to hear must listen to to the spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches whoever is victorious will not be armed by the second death okay so the second death is the lake of fire okay so jesus is saying here those who hold on those who hold on to me okay i would not taste of this 
will not partake of the second death, will not be thrown into the lake of fire. We call the church in Smyrna, we call them the persecuted church. The persecuted church, standing for Christians throughout the church age who are persecuted for their faith. So, using figurative okay, interpretation now, we say that the 10 days could just mean not literally 10 days okay it just means could simply just means that it was going to be it was going to be sh- sh- short okay it was going to be short i think um scholars agree that during this period was the period when people church leaders elders like polycarp for example this was during the time that they were murdered okay Mar- polycarp himself was murdered and killed in smyrna okay so um Jesus says, don't deny me, whatever happens. The crown of life, okay, so it's the reward for victory over death for those who hold on to Jesus to the very, very end, okay? So, how do we apply from this lesson? And you see that, look, Jesus had just good good words for this particular church, this church in Smyrna, okay? How do we apply the lessons, you know, from this church? Don't give up on Jesus, do allow the council culture of our time, the prayer pressure flying around. Don't let allow them turn, make you turn your back on Jesus. The pressure to deny our faith. Don't allow, don't allow the, the devil win. I'm telling you, don't allow the devil win. Hold on to Jesus to the very, very end. And I'm telling you, God will bless you. God will bless you. God will bless me in the mighty name of Jesus. It tells the church in Smyrna, if you hold on to the very end, I will give you the crown of life. And I pray for someone listening in this morning. Ah, Jesus will give you the courage, the courage to hold on to the very end in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Smyrna stands for those who are, the church in Smyrna stands for those who are persecuted okay who literally have to give up everything for their faith i pray you will stand for your faith in the name of jesus all right so big lessons that we have learned today okay as we go okay and learn from the church you know this church in ephesus this church should be rich very rich ephesus is the the biggest cosmopolitan city but believers who could not of course we don't worship idols we don't worship people <laughs> whether they are emperors whether they are pastors whether they are bishops or pope and we don't worship people we worship we bow and we kneel before only one god okay learn from the church in ephesus jesus says look you have lost your first love don't allow your walk your struggle, your fighting for Jesus. Don't allow it to make you lose your love for Jesus. Listen, your work for him does not always equate to a love for him. Hmm? Did you hear that? Your work for God does not always equate to a love for him. And so we must hold on. We must hold on to our faith every time. Learning from, from the church in Smyrna many of us will be persecuted don't give up on your faith don't give up on your faith don't give up on jesus and as you hold on to your faith i pray this morning again 
Jesus tells that church, I will give you the crown of life. Ah, he tells the church in Ephesus to everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life. The tree of life in the paradise of God. You know, in, in Ephesus there, there was this, there's this particular garden where they go and they go and pluck fruits. Eh, see, when John was writing it, eh, these churches, they knew, they could relate it with what was going on physically with them. They, could, they went to go and pluck fruit from that garden and it was believed that, look, if you take from the fruit of that garden, you know, uh, you could become fertile for example if you were barren you could become fertile <laughs> jesus is telling them eh, i am the one that has the real the real fruit eh, the tree from the the tree of life from the paradise of the fruit of that tree i am the one that has that has it hallelujah i pray once again that we, we will stand for our faith in the mighty name of jesus as you go let's pray this morning lord help me to stand for my faith Help me to stand for you, Lord. Lord, not to give up, no matter what I go through. Never to give up on Jesus. Father, we say thank you this morning. And we give you all the praise. I pray for everyone listening in. Lord, strengthen our faiths. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we will not give up on you. In the mighty name of Jesus. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.